Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I don't know what episode this is. I was going to say the episode number, but this is our Star Wars episode four, A New Hope Celebration, right? We're going to talk about what we love about this movie, how it's impacted us, and all and everything. We might even talk about the things that bother us yet, but, but we really, this is about celebrating this movie. And we, we absolutely love this movie. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. I'm Miles Hi, I'm M. Ciro Garcia. And with us, live from wherever he's at, welcome, Michael. Hello, I'm uh, coming to you from my geek den in Annapolis, Maryland. This is yeah, Michael Doherty, the creator and brainchild behind Brown Coats Redemption. Ooh, Michael. He's been on the show. He's no stranger to the show, that's for sure. He's a pal. He's, he's oh, wearing, if you, for those of you in the chat room, you can see he's wearing his green Yoda Jedi clothes. He's also be the genius behind the soon-to-be-released Z-Con. Take a con, take some kids, add some zombies, stir. Yes. Add a little cream. Um, very good. Well, very good. Well, this is awesome. I'm so excited. I was excited to watch. You know, this time when we did, when I was preparing for the show, you know, my son's eight. It was his first time working through all six movies, and yes, we did watch his fan films because, you know, they really do, despite the way we dog in them, there's something about Jar Jar that does appeal to kids. Yeah. And he does, not, not, not to us as adults necessarily, but but, but he enjoyed Jar Jar, Jar to some degree. Obviously, the droids and uh, all the things that, you know, the kiddie things, he, he appreciated that. So, and I don't uh, disparage him that yet. So he's a kid. He's a kid. So there's some allowance there. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it was fun to kind of watch this again uh, and kind of get into that. But yeah, so uh, well, why don't we just sleep in? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this movie that we're excited about. Em, do you want to get us started here? Me? Talk about sure. Star Wars? Nah. Yeah. Um. Gee, it, like, when I was putting the notes together, I was like, I don't even know where to start, except um, oh, yeah, the true. only thing I could think of was, was you know, where were you the first time you saw this movie, and what impression did it leave on you? And for me, um, God, in 77, I was six years old, and I guess that would be first grade, and I remember... My mom taking my brother and I, and I think some other family friends, and we all went to see it, and I was knocked out. I was just like, I couldn't believe this existed. I couldn't believe someone could make that. And, uh, you know, I was as, as a six-year-old, I thought, oh, what part of the universe is that? I want to go live there. Yeah. That, it just, it, it opened a door for me that has never really closed, so... To you know, I still watch it with childlike wonder. What about you guys? Uh, Mike, how about you? Uh, see, I I'm a little bit younger. I was born in '76, so I kind of came into Star Wars backwards. Like I started with Empire and then went back to find the original show or movie. Um, but to me, it was, you know, I I grew up with that period of time where their toys were like pre-order before pre-order existed and just the excitement of you know putting my 
my figures of having like something I watched on TV be able to play in my hands and just extend your imagination. Like Star Wars just kicked open wide my brain. For me, there was a lot of hype even before the movie um, came out. The, I mean, the, there was already kids with trading cards and toys talking about it. Um, my uncle had the soundtrack on LP, and so had there's pictures of from the movie and. Um, it already had something epic about it even before I saw it. And then my parents took me and my little brother, and we saw it. This was actually our first drive-in movie, so we saw it at a drive-in movie. And uh, it didn't fail to live up to the hype. And it actually exceeded the hype that was that I had before I saw it. So um, that fueled my imagination for, for, you know, throughout my childhood. I just enjoyed it even, you know, my teenage years and adult adult years. Um, it's just something that doesn't uh, go away. Yeah. I never saw Star Wars in the theater. Wow. So, um, it, it was just, uh, when I was growing up, my family did not go to a lot of movies. But what I do remember about Star Wars Episode Four was all the hype. Because um, as a kid, you know, I was, I was seven, eight years old, and I mean, they brought they brought uh, they brought R two D two to our school with the guy that played him at our elementary school. I remember him being there, um, and so that was very cool. I remember they had these little handheld toys in Sears that you could like turn and you could watch clips of the movie kind of going in action. Um, the Viewmaster reels that they had of the of the, the, oh, of the series. Master. Yeah, I, I mean, that. so there, there were so many awesome toys, and like, then of course the toys themselves, which I never got any of them, but, but all like the, the, I was fascinated by the land speeder. I loved the land speeder toy. I care less about the Millennium Falcon. The land speeder was you shut awesome. your mouth. I know, you know, but this is that's what I really loved was that that landscape. I thought it was the coolest thing to have a car with that wheels, without wheels, you know. That I love that you could like pull it backwards and let it go, and it would ride. I know, like, without like in the air. No, I'm just kidding, but but it was it was totally it was, that, that's what I remember as the media hype for me. And this is before the internet or anything like that, but it was yeah, it was on all the. My parents watched 60 Minutes, and so Sunday nights, there's even a clip of the Star Wars movie, and I was just like, it was right after the scene where the, uh, the Star Destroyer apprehends the Rebel ship, and, and the Stormtroopers come through, and I'm just thinking, wow. <laughs> yeah. I want a little black and white TV. Yeah, it's classic, classic. You know, and, and, and unfortunately, with this new movie coming out, I know we're talking about four, but I'm, I'm just as into the toys now. Like, I want that robot droid that they wheel around. The rolly one? Yeah. You know, I want, I want him. I want, I want the Millennium Falcon that's like, a, you know, the, 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 the drone. drone. It's just, uh, come on. Who doesn't? I mean, that's, so I feel like, man, just give me a couple <laughs> hundred bucks. I can just have uh, a heyday on this stuff. So, well, see, so. Like, well, I can say that I took, because um, I've won, I, I've been to some of the Think Geek um, nerd trivia nights and have won a couple of times. And I haven't used all my give all the gift certificates that I won, but I used them to pre-order the um, the the B the BD2 or the B2. Oh shoot, I can't think of his little name. Yeah, BD2, whatever it is. But I they, just, have, they, they have them at Target. I just like ah, oh, that's what I got. 
I ordered like this the one that has the app and you can control it. I ordered the the big fun one. And how and how how much is that one running if you don't mind me asking? I think it's hundred and fifty. <laughs> well, I know like, they have a they have a they have a drone that you can get from Target, which is like about a hundred bucks, but the really awesome drone that lights up this Millennium Falcon is like almost two hundred bucks. Oh wow, that's gotta be epic. And that's the one that I want. BB eight's one forty nine and it's on my Christmas list. <laughs> uh, so as I was saying, time year. as I was saying before, uh, my connection rudely dropped me. This actually remind like what I'm feeling right now, leading up to episode seven, reminds me of exactly what I felt like, you know, during the time of the original trilogy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's an it's awesome, and so all that to say, we got in this discussion because of the toys that are out there, but. I am looking forward to the toys that are here. I think, and for me, Star Wars Episode Four. When I think about that movie, it was really the toy because I didn't experience the movie live at the time. I mean, I've seen the movie how many, you know, how many times now, but but that time period I didn't see it live. So uh, where are we at? What's a, what's a, let's uh, let's move on here. First impression that it left you, My, uh, Miles. I, I mean, maybe we covered this a little bit already. But what was the first saw Star Wars? Well, epic. Just um, as soon as this this little ship running for a giant ship that just keeps going and going, and then it overtakes it, and um, when he, there, I mean. You're just on this roller coaster ride for a little while, and occasionally you have a you know brief, you know little dip. You need to catch your breath, but then something else you know is happening. So there's no time to really slow down. Um, you're, 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 there's always something going on, something important going on in this movie. I mean, we we dug on George Lucas a lot for the other three movies, but this this is a masterpiece. Um, just um, in its pacing and everything. What I personally uh, loved about it. No, go ahead. Oh, just I mean, as far as so when I saw it as a child, I mean, this this was an important part of my childhood for years. I mean, when we talk about the toys, I mean, I love the Millennium Falcon. So when I got that for Christmas one year, I mean, I was you know in heaven. I mean, I, I think I might still have, it's not in the best of shape, but I think it's still in my parents' uh, uh, attic and maybe a few other Star Wars toys. So, um, my family, as well as millions of other families, helped make uh, George Lucas very rich. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just merchandise alone. But, you know, right. just, uh, Mike, you were going to say something. Go ahead. No, I mean, uh, like, uh, Star Wars for me was just like a master thesis in storytelling before I knew what it was because it just starts right in the middle of the story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't start like at the beginning of an adventure. It's like you're in the middle of shit going down because the Empire is looking for, for Princess Leia and you have no knowledge outside of the, the scrolling information before that, but you're dropped right in the middle of the story, which is the best place to be. Well, and I think that while you are dropped kind of in the middle of the story, at the same time, you are at the beginning of an adventure. I mean, this is the, the hero's journey, the mythic, the Joseph Campbell's myth, mythic journey that, that George Lucas is taking us on. And, and it captures us. I mean, 
as a kid, you know, at seven, eight years old, watching this, I'm looking at, or, you know, at that time, what captured me, you know, the robots. What kid doesn't like robots? But there's such a greater story to this that we're just kind of drug along for. And it's, and I think the thing that, that Star Wars does for me is fuel, it fueled my imagination. I mean, what I was going to say when, with the, when you had the Millennium Falcon, I mean, you just, you played with that because you imagined being in that world, you created your own stories, your own rescues. You know, it, I, I remember filming a little, you know, silent uh, film I did with my brother of, of a spaceship, the space shuttle going off into space and going to some planet, and the mm. robots that were running were, were, were R2-D2 and C-3PO. I mean, even though they weren't, it kind of matched, it, it fueled imagination. I think that's what I loved about it. There's just and, there's so much there, and, I mean, it was... It was inspired by, because like, as I was reading up on the movie, I mean, it was inspired by, like, the works of Akira Kurosawa and Joseph Campbell and jo the Flash Gordon series. I mean, yep. can you imagine being a kid back then when there, was, there wasn't even any space flights? So you could you could you could imagine that this world could exist, but then we were all born after man landed on the moon, and we were exposed to the space shuttle. So to us, watching that, it wasn't just a fantasy. It was we could probably do that. Yeah. And the well, and the absolutely. impact that that Star Wars has had on 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 everything, on science, on culture, on history, on art, it and and in literature, it's it's just been and I know it's just it's just a dorky hour and a half long movie, but it's the it's just a beautiful little spark that set off this wonderful fire that like like the likes of JJ Abrams, Kevin Smith, um the the Wachowski siblings, um uh, every, I mean, I, 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 there's so many that they're all like log. Their names are all log jamming in my brain, and I can't get them out. All of that beautiful world uh, is all. Pretty much all of them could go back and go. Oh yeah, Star Wars definitely. Star Wars had a huge impact, which I still like. We'll have to do a whole separate show about how George decided. Nope, not good enough. Let me do it over. And made a big giant. I mean, I did pre prepare for us a list of all the changes just in this in this movie, and <laughs> I pasted it in, and it's three and a half pages long. Uh, I probably read all of them. That's for sure. <laughs> no, we're not reading all of them. But <laughs> it was it was just an idea that started with an eleven million dollar budget that grossed. Let's see. Um, uh, Miles gave put down the numbers. Grossed 461 million domestic, and uh, 314 million foreign, and that's in the first release. That's all like in the release in 19 after the release in 1977. It released again in theaters. When did they do the rerun? 96. I don't even want. I don't even want to yeah. know how much. I mean, that man must have a swimming pool filled with $100 bills. Yeah. You know he was yeah. the inspiration for Scrooge McDuck? <laughs> My accountant? Show him in. T top of the morning to you, Mr. McDuck. What is it, Wimpleman? Well, I have good news and bad news, sir. What's the bad news? Uh, some goods from one of the factories got lost. What? Then what's the good news, man? 
It was only a boatload of ice cream. Uh, ice cream sank? A sea monster was sighted in the... A sea monster ate my ice cream? A sea monster ate my ice cream! Must have been some ice cream. No, you don't understand. This wasn't ice cream. This was Happy's fortune. The sea monster ate my ice cream. No, I'll never get to eat. The sea monster ate my ice cream. Stop it! Grab that cork! Hold it down! It's all right now, boys. I got it out of my system. There's not a second to lose. We're leaving to salvage my fortune. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I think if I recall correctly, he did something that uh, not many people did. I mean, didn't he retain all the merchandising rights? Yes. Yep. And I, I mean, he made his money in the movie, but he made a lot of his money off the merchandising. Oh, yes. If I remember correctly, um, what's his name? Harrison Ford learned very quickly and took... Um, uh, took a chunk off of gross receipts instead of a big paycheck um, as well. So he did pretty damn well with, uh, with, with Star Wars, that's for sure. Well, wow. what, what's amazing is that if you really think back, if George Lucas would have been allowed to make Flash Gordon like he wanted to, you wouldn't have Star Wars. Like Star Wars, as Em pointed out, is really just him wanting to do something. Right. So just not willing to accept no for an answer gave us like a legacy that has lasted our, lasted our lifetime. Yeah. Oh, and who else works like that? Uh, Joss Whedon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't make this TV show. Fine, I'll make another one. Nope, can't make that one. I'll make another one. Nope, can't make that one. I will make billions of dollars off a movie, and you will kiss my ass. Yes, yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> And then will you will you launch our franchise many years later? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, it's absolutely know. crazy. You the movie. Flash oh, Flash Gordon. Oh, I love the I I do love the old the nineteen seventies remake of that. But I'd love to get my hands on the black and white Flash Gordons of olden day. And I know that they don't hold up like. They don't hold up as far as technology-wise, which I was thinking today before we were on my third watching of the movie. Maybe George was worried that the films wouldn't hold up if, because you could see the, the matting seams and because there were imperfections and... Um, you know, nerds being what we are, we love to pick something apart and right. point out that the inconsistencies between the first and second movie are just inconceivable. And we, <laughs> I, I wonder if 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 he, uh, you know, if his intent was positive, and he was trying to make sure that the movies held up. But as I watch them, I I find that I don't like them all tweeted up and extra critters and stuff. I, I, I kind of I want to see the old school. I want to... That's, that's precisely why I like Battlestar Galactica, the original. I like that 
given the time that they had, the time that they lived in, what they did, it was amazing. And something charming of seeing maybe some of the imperfections and flaws, just seeing hold, what hold they on. had to work with. Not just imperfections and flaws of what they had to work with, imperfections and flaws about the fact that Darth Vader is looking for the character who has the Force, and she's standing right in front of him in the opening scene of the movie, <laughs> and he never figures it the <gasps> Except for Luke's like, I had it. My father has it. My sister has it. By the right. way, that's you. Yeah. So it's like, well, it, it was awesome. Because he does say, he's like, like, she's, you know, the mind, she's she's very strong, this one. And when I think back, I'm like, well, of course she's strong, Chucklehead. She has the force. But did George Lucas at the time know that, that she, you know, her, that she and Luke were going to be, you know, twin brother and sister? Yeah, that's, you, you got to wonder, like, when, when he, he kind of did that whole force bit and decided that they were going to kiss, did he know that they were brother and sister early? Because if so, that's creeptastic. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't decide that until the third movie. <laughs> no. That's a good question. I'm, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I don't know what was in the, uh, between the first and second movie, you know, four and five, what sort of mythos had been, been developed and uh, how much he had planned into the trilogy that relationship. So, interesting. And, well, and I would know. like to apologize in advance for the F-bombs because I just get really, really excited by my Star Wars. Maybe I'll just put, I'll put a rooster crowing in there or something. It was literally all I could do to keep from doing it in the same voice as M. It was unbelievable. <laughs> oh my! Well, like, at one point does, like, does Leia realize the man who tortured her and ruined her planet is like her dad? Well, if she had divorced the whole time, she should have known. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad. Well, we talked about how it influenced us. There is. I'm gonna put the link in the chat for everybody who's in the chat room. Hello, everybody in the chat room. Um, there's an info. I went looking for um, uh, uh, just one article or a list or something to tell me how Star Wars influenced television and film. So if you click on that link and open up uh, this wonderful infographic by the fine people of Shutterstock, they have this great map of characters and things and just what Star Wars created, which was like this, Star Wars created the side, well first before I start talking about it, did you guys click on it? Yep, I'm open. You got it open? I got it open. Okay. Uh, hold on, let me tell everybody in the chat room. Go and open that link, people. Smiley face. Lilo Dallas Multipass. Okay. So, like, <laughs> there's wonderful little things that, that, that were created because of the, the influence of Star Wars on modern television and film. There's the sci-fi the sci cowboy. And then radiating from there, you see all of some of our favorite sci-fi cowboys like Peter Quill, Starbuck, the boy version, um, Mad Max, uh, the, you've got, and Captain Mal Malcolm Reynolds. Hello. Um, 
you've got the adorable mascot robot, the iconic robot that you just love and is the little hero and that's he's been he's been duplicated in TV and film the strong female badass the the chosen one i love i love when there's a chosen one and that you know you've got sarah connors um from the terminator and ash williams from evil dead and neo from the matrix i am the one um the future imperfect that's amazing. The Fifth Element, Mad Max, Terminator, RoboCop, and then RoboCop, cybernetic prosthetics. All of that. Industrial Light and Magic came out of this. Film trilogies. Before Star Wars, were there film trilogies before? No. Like, ever. Well, there was series. There, there weren't necessarily trilogies, but you had, like, the Abbott and Costello movies, which were two people in... in multiple films together, but not in an overarching story. Yeah. Amazing. No. Uh, unless Industrial Light and Magic. Right. I mean, we would not have Pixar. We would not have we would not have uh, Go Motion Animation, which is very smooth. 3D capture, motion capture. Um, just the uh, the the different computer programs that were developed because of this movie. It was amazing. Um Special effects. Uh, if I remember correctly, Lucas actually the like, copyrighted the way a laser a laser gun fires and the sound that it makes. So when you see the lasers fire and start in all the Star Wars films, the the shot is a certain length and has a certain sound. Right. No one else can use that. Right. That, yeah. That's a little OCD for me, but that's kind of awesome. And, and, and if you want to go a little bit further, mm. if it wasn't for Star Wars, you wouldn't have Pixar. Right. Because Star Wars, it, George Lucas used the, the revenue from Star Wars to create Pixar Image Computer mm -hmm. for his future stuff and then ended up selling that to Steve Jobs. Yep. Right. Think of all the things that Pixar has given us that we've all fallen in love with again and again and again. You know? so. And as a Star Trek fan, um, Star Trek would have taken action without Star Wars. Uh, they were thinking of bringing Star Trek back to the small screen and they had all the plans to do it with um, Star Wars. They thought, well, let's maybe, maybe go to the, to the big screen with this. Um, so they are thinking if... Star Trek went to the small screen, maybe it would have had a, a season or two, but it may not have enjoyed the popularity, the long-term lasting popularity it had by, by going, taking the original series, original cast, going to the movies, but they wouldn't have done that with, with the success of Star Wars. No, absolutely not, absolutely not. I think as a, as a growing up as a female, like I did, um, as I'm looking at the infographic and I see the, the note about the strong female badass, the different female characters that, that, that kind of revolve around, that are much like Leia. So you've got Ellen Ripley, River Tam, Trinity, Katniss, um, Everdeen, and Buffy. I mean, come on. Oh, and Lilu Dallas, Multibas. Can't go without her. <laughs> Just, excuse me. It was, it was really nice to see a role where the princess needed a hand, she didn't need saving. 
She yeah. knew what she was doing. She knew what she needed to do to get out of where she need. She just needed a hand to do it. And in some cases, you know, as as time went on, you got to see just um, what an amazing, strong woman that you could be. And and there there wasn't a lot of that available to to girls my age. We, I mean, whenever after watching that, all of my Barbies had buns on the side of their head. Well, you know, especially, I mean, I would agree with that statement, especially as you watch, like, Empire and Return of the Jedi. But uh, did, did Princess Leia, maybe, 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 maybe I just, I'm turning it through the, the eyes of the guys. I'm going to confess that right up front. But did she seem really to be such a strong character in, in this first movie that we saw in episode four? Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? Uh, yeah, I guess there's that. Into the garbage chute, flyboy! Yeah, She's the yeah. one that pins down the stormtroopers as the boys escape. Like That's right. That's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. I just wasn't... Maybe I'm just thinking about some of the uh, times where she's kind of left in the sideline when the guys go out fighting. Okay, hold on. Oh. Back up. If she wasn't such a badass and left a recording in a hallway and put the droids on the escape pod to leave, the movie would never happen. Yeah, it's true. So, like... If it wasn't for Leia's badassdom, and when she's confronted with Vader and he blows up her planet, she doesn't like fall to pieces. She's just like she takes I, it. I, I, she takes it and is like, "I'm just gonna take whatever you got, Dad." She, she woman's up. That's true. That's true. That's true. It, it's true. A, she wasn't just there and weeping and like, "Save me!" And oh my goodness, you know, when she gets a blaster in her hand, she goes to town. <laughs> She goes after the stormtroopers early on. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And even even in Spaceballs, where they make a lot of fun of her being a princess, it's my industrial hair dryer, and I can't live without it. I'm sorry, Mike. I saw you had to pull your headphones off. (laughs) No, that's okay. Yeah. It's even then they still kept her a very strong female character. He shot my hair. Yeah. S.O.B. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> you know, and, and you're right. She does come off as a very strong woman, I guess, in this one. Maybe, and is this like the first time we see, when we see maybe in science fiction this sort of strength coming from a woman? Or have we seen that, or, or was this exhibited before Star Wars? Well, you got to remember, around the time it was, uh, that was like Barbarella. That's what I was thinking, Barbarella. Like, women were, like, overly sexualized, and, you know, I mean, Barbarella was maybe eight years beforehand, and instead of being a strong lead female, it was like, I'm really hot, and as long as guys sleep with me, the plot, like, continues. (laughs) And the only time Leia kisses anybody is she gives Luke a kiss for luck before they swing across a big-ass pit. That's right. So yeah, Barbarella, Barbarella was in 1968. Alien wasn't until 1979. Yes, yeah, so that was after. Yeah. yeah. So even I, I honestly can't recall. I can't recall unless like, if you go back to the like Cleopatra was an amazing movie where she was a strong, powerful woman, and in in that era they had power strong women characters but they were still kind of secondary Probably. to the male hero and in this film it was like an ensemble of heroes it wasn't just you're the good guy you're the maverick and you're the princess 
it's everyone contributed, everyone kind of looking, I mean, I can, 44-year-old me can look back and see that, but even as a kid, it was my first concept of a team-up, and it was wonderful. And it was a dysfunctional team-up. Yes. <laughs> which, which for, from a storytelling point of view, we don't see these people get along right away. I mean, there is a lot, there is conflict and friction and they don't, you know, well... And that's comedy, too. It, oh, yeah, it has comedy, but it gives the characters a place to go and it gives a chance to, you know, this team to work through its issues and, and, and see if somebody who, if, if somebody can change and grow and rise to the occasion or is he going to still be, you know, a scuzz bucket. I mean, um, and, which I'm referring to Han Solo, we see this is... He's at odds with everybody because he's for he's in there for himself, and so he's the one that's creating the conflict. But there's a play, but we see there's a place for him to grow and to change and and possibly be a better man throughout this whole journey. Yeah, and if you think about it, like the character is not worried about being a better man. Like he's initially worried about just getting paid, but then after a while, he's like made fast friends. So. It's it's not that the bad because the, the bad boy never stops being the bad boy. You just get to see a different side of him. Yeah, and 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 that's true. Like it, even when he comes back, like he comes and like you know knocks Vader's ship off course, right? Mm-hmm. Even then, you still see when he when they, when they land, he says, "I didn't want I didn't want you to get all the glory, kid." You know, he has that cocky personality, even though you know that what brought him back is a little bit of heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he started to care. I mean, he started to care. But I mean, if if not ne- necessary, the rebellion and its cause. But you know, for whatever reason, he started. He, he cared for Luke and Leia, and that's why he came back. I mean, he he was going to leave, and he was gone for a little while because you know the the Empire was making mincemeat out of you know the the, the rebel you know uh, fleet. But um, so, right. Yeah. But very good. Where do you want to go from here? Do you wanna do you want me to ping you with some trivia? Do you want to look at changes? How do you let's, want to do it? Let's do a little trivia because if we start talking about the changes, I'm gonna start getting angry. You want to keep this? Uh, I'm going to have some nerd rage. Oh my like, god! Maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that then. All right. And All right. then. Yeah, the <laughs> and the other article that I found that was kind of fun was there was an article called um, 11 Movies and TV Shows That Tried to Be Star Wars and Failed. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love maybe, to go... Maybe, that's, maybe we should actually talk about that rather than the changes. <laughs> Let's go ahead. So trivia time, trivia time. Let's see how well you know this movie. There are 10 questions, and uh, here we go. Number one, before every Star Wars movie begins, George Lucas generously provides a short prologue to update viewers of the events in the Star Wars galaxy. Who is the only main character mentioned in the rolling prologue that precedes the events of the original Star Wars film? Darth Vader. I was going to give you the options. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So the options are Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia. I think it's Darth Vader. I think it's Leia. We're splitting this. So Darth Vader, two for Darth Vader, one for Leia. Mike, you stand by Darth Vader? I'm standing by Darth Vader. All right. It is Princess Leia. 
The mention of Princess, Princess Leia occurs in the third paragraph of the prologue. Specifically, it reads, Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. So, all right. Next question. Uh, question two. In the opening sequence of the original Star Wars film features a riveting battle between the Imperial Star Destroyer and a small freighter carrying Princess Leia. Aboard this freighter are R2-D2 and C-3PO. When we first see these two droids, who is accompanying them? When we first see the two droids. Yeah, so here are the options. Princess Leia, another droid that looks similar to C-3PO. No one. Another droid that looks similar to R2-D2. I think it was just the two of them. B, nope, it's so that the droid that looks like C-3PO. Yep, and it's, I believe it's silver. Yes. And that is the answer, is that one, B. Um, the other droid is similar to the appearance of C-3PO, walks in with R2-D2 and C-3PO for a time, but then vanishes into an opening after a short while. The fans of Star Wars are desperately attempting to understand the fate of this misguided droid, as whereabouts are unknown. Note, since sarcasm doesn't appear, I'm saying. But anyways, the guy wrote sarcasm into the answer, so. Nice. All right, number, uh, number three. Who is the first character to utter any kind of speech in the original Star Wars? R2-D2, Princess Leia, Darth Vader, C-3PO. Who's the first one to talk? I'm going to say C-3PO. I'm gonna say, I agree, C-3PO. I'm going to say R2-D2. All right. It was C-3PO. What? Figures, doesn't C-3PO has a reputation for being a loud mouth. The transcript from his initial conversation is as follows. Did, Did you, you hear, hear that? that? Yeah, that is, R2-D2 says... Yes. He shut down the main reactor. <laughs> we'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. madness. Yes. All right. Uh, all right. In the last attempt to save the stolen rebel plans to the Death Star, Princess Leia downloads into R2-D2's memory banks. R2 and C-3PO are then able to depart the freighter after they, they are on using an escape pod. Why isn't their escape pod destroyed? Here are the four options. R2-D2 activates a stealth mode on the escape pod. The Imperial troops hold their fire as there's no life forms on board. The escape pod miraculously avoids being hit despite the shower of laser fire. Must be stormtroopers shooting at them. The escape pod goes on completely undetected. They don't notice life forms. It's that one. Yes, it is that one. Very good. It must have released during the, during yeah. the explosion. Yeah, yeah. The lovely Princess Leia is unfortunately captured very early on in the film by the tyrannical Darth Vader, who claims her correctly to be a spy. Princess Leia denies this accusation, suggesting that she is a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to which planet? Alderaan. Yeah, Tatooine, Hoth, Dagobah, or Alderaan. We're all saying Alderaan, and it is Alderaan. Um, and you know, the list for that one. Yeah, me? I didn't have to look at it. All right. Uh, this is question six. Question six. R2-D2 and C-3PO land on the planet Tatooine. Which of these would be the best way to describe the climate of this planet so far as a viewer can make out by observation? Oh, this one's easy. Tropical jungle, yeah. cold and icy, dry desert, Arctic tundra. Desert. Desert. Yeah, desert. Not see. 
tundra. That was way too Okay, C3PO is a pension for name calling when it comes to conversations with his little buddy R2D2. During the argument just preceding the breakup after landing on Tatooine, C3PO refers to R2D2 by which of the following cruel phrases? Undersized rust bucket, pile of completely uncouth nuts and bolts, round-headed galactic trash heap, nearsighted scrap pile. I want to say it was rust bucket. A. So two for A. What, 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 Miles? I'll go with A. You go with A? It is not A. Oh. R2 is on a mission to find Obi Wan Kenobi. The he, assuming that R2 is he, has a hunch as to which direction he should travel. C3PO, on the other hand, just wants to be a fussy pants, just says C3PO insults R2. He gives his diminutive friend a swift kick and walks off. And he says, nearsighted scrap pile is the right answer. So, this is question eight. As far as the viewer is able to observe, which of the two droids is forcibly taken by the Jawas? C-3PO? Neither is forcibly taken. R2-D2? Both are forcibly taken. I, can you read that one more time? As far as the viewer is able to observe, which droids. of the two droids is forcibly taken by the Jawas? Yes. R2-D2. R2 yeah. My guess is R2-D2. Yeah, it was R2. I mean, R2 yeah. gets sh shot and knocked out. Yep, that's the correct answer. The Jawas make their way into the humble boat of Owen Lars and Baru White Sun. And, those of you who didn't know that Baru had a last name, it was White Sun. Uh, and an uncle of one Luke Skywalker. The intention of the Jawas is to sell several doors of this humble little family. Most importantly, it seems, is that they purchase a translator who speaks which language? Bachi. All right, fine. I won't even read the other options. I, I'm sorry. It just. <laughs> okay. And that is Uncle correct. Owen. Yep. This one's a bad motivator. Wow. Tell your uncle to make sure to get one that speaks Bachi. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to go to Tosh Station to pick up some power converters. You can go play with your friends some other day. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. We're totally nerds. <laughs> oh, man. Then we're going to start quoting the movie. R2-D2, oh, yeah. this is the last question. R2-D2 is among the initial two choices made by our own Lars for purchase. True or false? False. False. And, uh... Uncle Owen, yeah. yeah? This one's got a bad motivator. That's hey, right. what are you trying to do? Bamper, quack, quack. Yep, so that is the... That, was, that is it. That is the question. That was my best jowin. <laughs> yeah. And the award for most censored character in Star Wars goes to... <laughs> you hear nothing but beeps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, no doubt. <laughs> Did you ever see, I think it was uh, RTG2 translated, and someone put a clip out? Yes. You see it with subtitles? It's awesome. <laughs> I have to, you know, I think I may have, but that's something worth going back and watching. It is, it is. Yeah, they, they actually, uh, and it makes perfect sense. If you, listen to the tone, if you listen to the tone of the beeps with what's being said in time, it makes perfect sense. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. That's right, um, and, and posted. Yeah, R2 was shackled. Yeah, very true, very true. Poor buddy. Oh, I know, it's so sad. 
It's, so. so in the infographic, they point out that, like the the couple of other characters, a couple of other robot robots uh, of the future that, <clears throat> and one of them was from one of my favorite movies, which was the Black Hole. Uh, Vincent, he was oh, yeah, such a yeah. sweet little helper, and it's kind of funny that that he's on there as as you know their version of an R two. But it's listed in this article. The black hole is actually listed in this article about eleven um, movies and TV shows that tried to be Star Wars and failed. Uh, they list Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan tried to be very Star Warsy. Um, I disagree with that. Yeah, I would. I would necessarily pick up on that. I mean, that's, so the you know, writers learned, like here it lists that the writers learned their lessons about people wanting actual s space opera, namely like battles and bad guys and monsters and lasers and stuff like that. So when the first movie came out, that one was really good, but the second one was so much more of a of a space opera, um, like a Star Wars. Was. Wait, wait, they, they said that it, they said that Rathacon failed. Well, I guess it failed as in like it tried to be like Star Wars, but didn't really cut the mustard like Star Wars did. Well, I mean, yeah. it's held as being one of the great movies of Star Trek. It is one it of the is. great movies of Star Trek, yes. But it doesn't hold a candle to Empire. Yeah, oh no, it doesn't hold a candle. No, Empire beats it senselessly. Uh, I, I disagree it was trying to be like Star Wars. I mean, maybe, I mean... So not that the movie was trying to be like Star Wars, but that the people behind Paramount saw what the what we the fans wanted. We wanted we wanted an adventure with bad guys. That we wanted battles. We wanted laser beams. We wanted that kind of epic tale. And Star Trek: The Motion Picture was just kind of a journey. You know, they were they they went to go pick up their their old jalopy and found this neat thing, but it wasn't as epic of a tale like a Star Wars. So there's there's similarities in the in the in the way that the story arcs are crafted. Hmm. So it, I don't think it was trying to be Star Wars. I think they were just trying to uh, to take Star Trek and take the the little nuances that made Star Wars successful and and add that to the infrastructure of the movie. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know it does. It does. Yeah, that's some wisdom you dropped right there. I know, yeah. I don't even like I'm, I'm going replaying it in my head. I'm like, "Oh my god, he sounds so smart." Yeah. Um, <laughs> then another film listed here which I don't even remember, Crawl? I I yeah. remember it on theater. Is that K R U L L? Yes. So, like, both of these films have epic rogues that are helping out the hero. Um, they, instead of using, like, an, Anik, uh, an Alec Guinness to be the wise old sage, they use Freddie Jones, and there's their own little version of a Darth Vader and their own version of Stormtroopers. So there was, kind of, again, that taking the, the infrastructure of Star Wars and overlaying something else on top of it, but it just didn't fit. You know, it, it really it, it, it depends whether they're uh, you know some of these movies imitating Star Wars. I think you know certainly was a bad, a bad idea, but in, but imitating the the, her the heroic structure with you know the sidekicks, the the wise sage, um, the removal of the wise sage causing the uh, her hero to strike out on their own. All mm -hmm. these sorts of things certainly have translated into multiple films, and some of these films haven't felt like Star Wars. I mean, Lord of the Rings, obviously based on the novel, but, I mean, has the same heroic structure, but doesn't feel in any way really like Star Wars. 
Well, the question you have to ask is that um, does Star Wars feel like Lord of the Rings, or does Lord of the Rings feel like Star Wars? I, I don't think they feel like any, like each yeah, other at all. Yeah, I don't feel that way. I mean, other I than mean, as far as story structure. Oh well, no. There's so much. The story structure of Lord of the Rings is so much more intricate. Yeah. yeah. Because, so much more intricate. Because Lord of the Rings came out initially in the 30s and 40s, so it, it's likely that uh, Lucas would have read those stories and kind of adopted that narrative right. uh, of a hero. Um, right. Because it is like if you really look at it, like Star or Star Wars, Luke is kind of going through the same journey that uh, Bilbo is. Like he didn't want to set out to be a hero. He kind of got pushed into this journey, and then he's just accepting the role. Right. And but then, you know, but, but this is uh, but but even Tolkien, if you want to argue, it was pu- was putting out was pu- was pulling all that out from the mythos that he studied. You know, Sir Gawain the Green Knight. Uh, you go back into the Legends of King Arthur. Right. And, and this, I mean, so I mean, this this story arc, that sort of story arc, the reluctant hero, um, you know, has filtered down through history. And certainly, Lucas would be pulling on probably the most re- more recent history. And I would argue that Lord of the Rings is probably a better written story, just from the story st- standpoint and even the uh, dialogue. Um, I I concur. Because because oh. while I absolutely love love Star Wars. There are times I shake my head at the dialogue. Yeah, it was, you know, it's not perfection, but for the time, it was amazing. Like, I'm looking through this article and some of these others, like, Battle Beyond the Stars, and it's, okay. Well, hold Um, on, take take, take a step back and remember that um, Star Wars came because Lucas wanted to make Flash Gordon. Right. Flash Gordon's dialogue, both in the movie and the serial and the comics, was Which very ham-fisted. Movie? Like the the like, Star Wars is just two shades a little bit less cheesy than the than uh, the Flash Gordon dialogue, but it's not too far off from it. Yeah, you know the dialogue did improve as you went through like Empire and then Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah. But my understanding is that Lucas had less of a hand in the actual script writing than uh, correct. In the first movie, so. Some well, okay. So some of the other movies here, like Space Hunter, The Adventures of the Forbidden Zone, Star Chaser, and the poster for Star Chaser has <laughs> a blonde dude and a brunette girl with what could be buns and a white outfit that looks a little too Star Warsy. Um, Star or Battlestar Galactica as a TV show, like uh, the the fighting the evil robots and I like this list. I don't agree that these are bad ideas. That these you know tried to be like Star Wars. I think they were heavily influenced. Some of them did it well and some of them didn't. There's one here with girls in bikinis called Star Crash, and. Uh, by Luigi Cozy. Star Crash featured British and American actors and is most notable for bizarre castings of a very young David Hasselhoff and Christopher Plummer. <gasps> I want to see this movie. <laughs> so what's it called? Star Crash? Star Crash, made in 1978. Oh my god, I'm going to have to add this to my Barbarella movie marathon. Uh, yeah... That sounds horrible you, and you can, you can watch the full movie on YouTube. Done. That's what I'm doing when we're done. <laughs> yeah. 
go and watch Star Crash. And like the movie The Black Hole, I remember that getting, well, recently when I bring it up, you know, there's part of my collective who were like, what? That movie's crap! Again, but so... I watched it and I liked, I liked The Black Hole. It wasn't I great, it wasn't it. the greatest thing, but I liked it. You know? For oh 1979, it was pretty badass. The big red robots with this, like those things, I had nightmares for weeks after that movie. And I loved it. I would love to find a Blu-ray version of that film. I agree. I think it was kind of awesome. But then again, is that is that just because we are children of that time? Yes. All right, I'm fine with that. You know, take into consideration, um, and I'm going to, to butcher this, is that like Neil Adams has this amazing quote of like the technology that you're born with is what you accept. Technology when you're a kid is what you live with. The technology that comes when you're 30 is still really new, and then the technology comes when you're older, it's beyond you. Mm. So like, as, as the generations kind of start overlapping, the things that like we, like the Hanna-Barbera cartoons that we grew up loving kids today would just look at that and just be like, that's atrocious. Like, yeah. Right. So it's just a matter of perspective and time. That's mm. true. true. Well, given what we loved back then, and then what Lucas decided to, to change, this list that I found on Wikipedia of the changes were just... It's just huge. There's little teeny tiny things, like little quick fixes... But it, it's it's when he, they re-release the special editions. Well, so I, can, can we start off by talking about the changes that maybe didn't bug us, I and mean, then go into the ones that absolutely annoy us? They all bothered me. <laughs> I'm a purist. Uh, well, yeah, tell me. So, because all of it does kind of not all of it irks me, but what what doesn't irk you guys? Well, okay, think, what what, go ahead. what what doesn't irk me is is the wipes and the fades, like. That, that's fine. I'm fine with them changing the wipes. I don't feel like I need that. It doesn't really change the story for me. Um, if he wants to throw do-backs on like Tatooine, fine. Throw do-backs on Stormtroopers and do-backs. It makes it a little bit more authentic when the Stormtroopers go down there to kind of look for him. And the fleshes, I, fleshing out the town doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is when you, you start replacing characters with characters from the new movie franchise. I don't mind that they tweak the music, you know, necessarily, or they make the lightsaber look a little bit better. Um, but I think for me, the thing that really annoys me is characters. When you start replacing original characters with newer characters because you want a sense of continued, I guess, continuity. So like I, I have to agree with you. The changes in the I think it's the nineteen ninety seven trilogy. Like all of those nineteen ninety seven trilogy changes just feels like Lucas had the ability to make some changes that he really wanted to make and couldn't due to budget. Like right. there's an there's an insert of a scene that was cut. There's new establishing shots of Ben Kenobi's location. Um you know, Han Solo no run, longer runs at a dead dead end. You know, there's some changes that like those kind of make sense. It's not until you get to the 2004 trilogy release, where they they do exactly like you said. They replace characters, established characters. They inserted a CG Jabba the Hutt that just looks so bad because they have to explain why Han Solo was awkwardly stepping on his tail. Like, there's just so many things right. that you should have just left alone. 
so I mean, it, it, where I get angry is 2004, not 1997. Yeah. They they changed a pivotal piece, <coughs> a pivotal scene that for me encompassed who Han Solo was. The scene with Greedo and Han in the bar and like having Greedo fire first so that Han has to die. And you can see, I watched it today. I watched that scene over and over again, and they digitally moved his head like he dodged it, and then there's his gunfire. That, I, I don't like that because you've, you've just changed his story. When did that change happen, though? That wasn't the 97 version. No, that, that was, was the 97. Was it was the 97? Hold on, hold on, no, no, no. That was that 97. earlier. That happened to... That yeah, was yeah. that's that's honestly like Em, I got to agree with you. That was the '97 change, which started the Han shot first thing. Yeah, but it was it wasn't just like replacing people. It was changing the mythos of a character. Okay, that so I would like to I would like to amend my previous statement. All changes, with the exception of Han shot first to the 1997 trilogy, <laughs> are are okay with me, um, but. 2004 should never have happened because that's basically like Lucas rewriting history and making the old movies fit in the new movie universe. Some of the like the so adding in some of the effects like when things explode that doesn't it doesn't bother me as much. Um, yeah. They changed. I did like the scene between Luke and Biggs when they added that in because that was his pal, you know, and it's kind of nice. Um, there was something else that I. I had noticed, and it actually kind of irked me because um, uh, Luke you, was talking, talking like to somebody. In your information, that you had, it was the '93 version that is that they changed the Han shot first, not the '97. Wow, it was even back then. Yeah, so it was. It says they they change it. They changed a bunch of stuff. I mean, they got the they got rid of the blur underneath the lamp speeder that they had in '93. Right. I. So, I mean, some of that stuff is good. So, yeah, Wikipedia needs to be updated because it's got the Han shot first under his 97. Yeah. Um, there was a moment where Luke calls out to somebody and they change it from something to something else. I thought I had highlighted it on the list. Osisley, um, Han shot first, Job of the Hut. Alderaan ring explosion. Well, let, me, let me back up, Mike. Uh, the way it's listed here on, on our page, we have a special edition episode for A New Hope, but there's no date. I assumed it was a definitive collection, but I could be wrong. Okay. So, just to clarify, you might be still right. I just wonder what I had here. Yeah. Where was but At it? least they credited James Earl Jones as a voice of Darth Vader. Yes. I didn't realize he'd gone uncredited. Yeah, he's been largely uncredited. Yeah, the first one. So, now one of the most iconic voices. He's voicing, like, everything from Walmart commercials to everything now. I love that man. Oh, here it is. So, there's... Luke is hollering... Um, so, in the original film, he yells, Blast it, Biggs, where are you? And they change it to Wedge, because Wedge Antilles becomes, you know, kind of important. He's the only other pilot that hasn't died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, uh, little, the little tweaks and stuff, I, I'm fine with. I'm with you, but when, the, when you change the mythos and the history, 
That makes me sad. What what really bothers me the most was the changes to to um, Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah, at the very where they, end, where they uh, you know CG alter Darth Vader, old white Darth Vader, to have the same scars as like the Christian Haydenson, where the the puppet Yoda was perfectly fine and just to replace them, it was just bad. It was it, there was no need. And and to put young Christian Hayden like as the ghost, like there's, is stupid. Oh, you're in episode six now. Well, no, that's that's for me where the biggest changes really take place. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So the worst change in 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 the New Hope is the Greedo shot. The Greedo shot, yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything else is kind of superfluous. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact in the, in the I like the fact that they expanded those eyes and when you go into it. Yeah. Like, right, I mean, it's, it's such a such a dinky... Uh, on one hand, you have this dinky little rustic town, and that certainly has its charm, right? But then the fact that it's much more of a larger town, a thriving hive of villainy, right, seems to seems to fit. Yeah, it's well. supposed to be a, a space port, so... It makes sense that it's bigger, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We can probably go around about that for a while, but... But, but I would agree with the hand shot first. Yeah, I agree. All right, so what? This is my turn to ask you. So this is switch the interview around for a second. Not that it's an interview. What? Starting with Miles, what is each of your favorite scene in Star Wars: A New Hope? My favorite scene. Um, Probably to me one of the most favorite scenes, and I kind of reenacted this as a child, but mostly when I, did, I had to do it by myself, was when, when Luke and Leia swung across the tractor beam room because the bridge was gone. To me, that was just the coolest thing in the world, and I had to think for like ropes and grappling hooks and like swinging across things. And Princess Leia. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, but, you know, I was you know seven, eight years old, so. You know, liking girls then wasn't really priority, but uh, but, good, right. but but swinging across a big room, you know, on a real person like that, I thought that was, you know, that 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 definitely resonated with me. Being one of your favorite scenes, yes. Yeah. They're on the Millennium Falcon, and Luke is starting to do the whole training thing, and he's. He's like any kid who's excited to, to, you know, I want to do something new. He's got all of these emotions. He's got all of this, these, this drive to, to, to succeed, to make things happen. He's lost his family. He's just figured out who, you know, that there's a whole other world available to him. He's kind of crazy, and and Ben makes him put the little shield down. But with the with the visor on, I can't see. How am I supposed to? And like through all of it, Ben is just very. Calm and collected, and you just you need to you need to calm yourself and and feel the force flowing through you and and find that inner peace, which is a very yoga kind of therapeutic thing to do when you're having those all those emotions and all those things at the same time. And I think that moment, you know, where Luke kind of he pauses physically, you see him pause. And then he does what he can do he, when he he gathers himself and just frees his mind and he, he does what he needs to do. He, he, he blocks the shots from the little tester thing. 
that to me was kind of pivotal. That to me is when when Luke Skywalker truly, truly became a, you know, I knew he would be the hero. And that that moment always stands. It's 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 my favorite moment of all the films. Hmm. But with the blast shield down, how am I supposed to see? <laughs> Big whiny little snot. I'll show you what you're gonna see. Pow. <laughs> You know, I uh, for me for me I think my favorite uh, favorite scene probably well I'm I'm kind of stuck because there, there's a lot of good scenes. I, I love when the Tie Fighters are going up against the Death Star, like this puny little Tie Fighters going against this mammoth Death Star. It's just yeah. So what did I say? Tie Fighters? Yeah. Well, wrong. Okay. Wrong class there. Okay. X wings going up and then and then when they open their X foils into attack position, it's just I, oh you know. The the X wing, you know, had to be one of my favorite ships in the movie, besides the Death Speeder. But Mike, how about you? Favorite scene? Uh, actually, mine is a little bit further after your favorite scene, and and I want you guys to go back and rewatch the movie for this moment, this moment where sheer awe of the Millennium Falcon completely destroys Darth Vader's plans. So if you go back and you watch Star Wars A New Hope, you've got Luke racing up the pit in his X-Wing, and he initially has Darth Vader and two TIE Fighters on him, and then uh, you see one of them get blasted, and then the other TIE Fighter looks up, and that's when you get the yeehaw, and you see the Millennium Falcon come in, and the next shot, I kid you not, is that initial TIE Fighter kind of like losing its balance, Banging into Darth Vader, blowing up into a wall, and sending Darth Vader spinning into the into the space. So, like, if it wasn't for the Tie Fighter getting distracted by the Millennium Falcon, Luke would have never had the opportunity because Darth Vader had him dead in sights. So, the the it's just this big long scene is that the the shot goes down the hole, and then for no reason whatsoever, there's these inexplicable scenes of people on the Death Star just doing their jobs before it blows up. <laughs> So it's just like, if you really think about it, everybody's wrapped up in Luke hitting the shot, but it's those moments between when he fires and what actually the, the Death Star blowing up. It's just pure comedy to me. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So here's a question for you guys. The TIE Fighter, what does TIE stand for? Ooh, Don't look it up. Engine. Ooh, Miles got it. Say it again, Miles. Twin ion engine. Very good. Did you look it up? No, no. no. Nice. Falcon uses information. Yep. Get from. <laughs> Scare, by the way, I did have to mention when we were talking about scenes, the scariest scene in Star Wars for me as a kid. Can you guess what it is? The Force Choke. No, that's good too. But uh, the trash compactor scene. That creature in there mm. sucking Luke down. I mean, I was... My, even my son, when he watched it, got a little bit wide-eyed. I, I think a, the best part of that creature is you never really see it. I, well, yeah. And I think that's, that's what made it so scary. You know, you didn't know... That creature does have a name, and I did find it sometime, and I can't remember it right now. Uh, I can't remember. I but, do remember my... Um, so I can't remember if my brother got it as a birthday or Christmas gift, but we had the... We still do have the album that told the story of the first movie that you could listen along, and it came with a booklet, and we used to play-act it out 
and I loved it because it was the only time my brother and my godbrothers would play with me. Because um, it was younger, I was a lot. Yeah, my brother and I are five years. He's five years older than me, and all of those guys were older than me. So the they needed a girl, and I was yay. And my god sister wanted nothing to do with anything uh -huh. to do with science fiction. So it was awesome. And when my our my next door neighbor, Jonathan, and my brother and I, we'd all get together and we play Star Wars. They had the best couch that if you took all the, it was one of those. Um, sectionals that uh -huh. had all the little squares so we would make it a little square and then put all the pillows and stuff in it so it would be like the trash compactor and we I can't tell you how many times we pretended we were stuck in the trash compactor that it was I, I just had a flashback when you talked about it yeah. about of that moment of those many moments playing with them yeah and by the way the creature's name is a Noga. No, Naga, Noga, D I A N O G A is the, name of the creature. I did have to look it up. But my favorite part of that scene too is when C three PO thinks that he's killed them. <laughs> yes. They're dying all yeah. too. Oh. I've killed them. Yeah. Uh, he's such a pain in the neck. Oh my he, God, he. Yeah, is, but it, it, it's what make it, it's what makes his character. This I know, but they're like two little sweet old gay men. You've got the really anal retentive one, and then the really calm, like, don't worry, I've got this figured out. Right. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Birdcage? Or the scene yeah. the musical The Birdcage? <laughs> the two main characters of that film and of, of that story, that to me is C-3PO and R2-D2. C-3PO is so Nathan Lane. I know, right? <laughs> I pissed the toast! It's completely those two. Oh, man. Okay, that comparison to Birdcage and Star Wars, I think nothing can beat. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, are man. the two cutest, they're like the cutest old couple ever. They're just like, a, they, they are, they are, and they are old because they've been together a very long time. Although, I'm very curious, so I remember in the fan film that they talk about wiping C-3PO's brain. Right. But did they wipe R2, or does R2, like, have all of this knowledge, and he's just, you R2's know... R2's got it all. Yeah, he's they, rolling. Yeah, he's just not spilling the beans. That, why do you think he's so angry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yes, you I mean. pierced the toast. Yeah, well, they, they always had to, with, with c 3 feel being such a talker, you know he would have... He would have spilled the beans, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going through the, the quotable lines here, and... The C3PO ones are the best. We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. That is great. Oh, such a pud. What, what do you have the quotable line then? Oh, I'm on IMDB looking oh, at them. There's... You just consider playing that message for him. No, Hold Hold I don't I'm... think he likes you at all. No, I'm going. I I'm going like to. Either. I'm going to give you a quote. You tell me which movie it came from. A New Hope. Or the birdcage, and the quote is, "Don't give me that tone." Oh, it could be either one, right? <laughs> I know. I, I think it's New Hope. Yeah. Nope, it is birdcage. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next line is, "What tone?" That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man, and I know nothing because I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I have been waiting for you, Obi Wan. We meet again for the first time, for the last time. The circle is now complete. 
I, when I left you, I was but the learner. But now I am the master. But only a master of evil, Darth. Swing! <laughs> I mean, come on! It's awesome! It is epic. Oh, and Han Solo. It just, it, it's the beginning of Han Solo giving Princess Leia crap endlessly. Like the lie, um, here it is. Look, your worshipfulness. Let's get one thing straight. I take orders from just one person, me. What's well, a wonder you're still alive? <laughs> Chewie pushes. Uh, Chewie pushes back. Will mm -hmm. someone get this big walking carpet out of my way? No one is worth this. <laughs> she had. Oh, she was just such. She, someone get this big walking carpet <laughs> out of my way. She just didn't give a crap. She was on a mission. She didn't and, care and that this was a Wookiee. She didn't care that this Wookiee could tear off her arms. She was... well, the, the moment you knew that Han Solo was in love with her, he's like, wonderful girl, either I'm going to kill her or I'm beginning to like her. Right. <laughs> and I love the way he kind of, you know, digs at Luke before Luke knows that Leia's his sister. Like saying, yeah, well, maybe. What do you think? A guy like me and a girl like her? No, <laughs> never. No. <laughs> <laughs> there is... It, through the three movies, you get this hint of relationships between friends, between acquaintances, between dear friends who become family, friends who find out that they're family, two friends who are really just kind of oil and water, but then become, you know, you add a little vinegar and it makes a wonderful salad dressing. Right. Um, that just all these beautiful relationships without the... Annie, you're breaking my heart. Padme bullcrap <laughs> that I cannot stand. Where and you speak about, speaking where, where you of that, that from, <laughs> from some fan film I saw. Yeah, I okay. Speaking, there was a there's a really actually well written article that uh, Padme did not brought, die of a broken heart. So. Um, if you go back and you watch the explanation for that, the droids say that like she died of unknown causes, and it's the force that killed her, because that's why Annie can still sense her, and then he can't anymore. Ooh. So, that is the only part of that movie that I'm like, wow, that's kind of that makes sense. That's interesting. Because uh, Palpatine pulled the force out of her and put it into. Uh, um, Vader. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm still annoyed by it because it doesn't need to be there. The book, I'm with the you. Book, the, the book is much better. Oh, I agree. Cast re Revenge of the Sith. The book it is a much better. It's much better. In fact, I redeems, completely agree. It, rede it redeems. So I watched the movie and then read the book and then watched the movie again and had a different appreciation. Jar Jar still bugged me. But the but I had different appreciation because there was stuff in my mind was filling in all the gaps, and I thought that, I just thought it, I just thought it worked much better. The novelization is incredible. You get insight into Darth Vader um, that you just don't get. I need to go back and reread it because it's one of my favorite Star Wars books. One the of novelizations the only... of the first of the fan of the, films. No, of, of, yes, of the fan films. Of the fan films, but especially Revenge of the Sith. So one of the things that I loved is that they had tie-in books between each of the movies. Right. And they never bothered to explain in the third movie where um, Anakin gets the scar over his eye. But right. that scar is directly from what just happened in the, the tie-over book. 
Was it the oh, really? uh, was that the was that the approaching storm? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, you have some great authors. So who was it? Was it Michael Stockpole? Was he the guy that wrote Revenge of the Sith? I do I, not I know. Um, but then, like Alan Dean Foster did one, and then Terry Brooks did another one of the uh, fan film novelizations, uh, and they were well written. They were well written books. Um, you feel Anakin's pain as he's kind of going through these his loss, and it doesn't make him seem so selfish in it. It's, it seems like a his loss and the fact that he turns to Palpatine seems very justified, even though it's absolutely wrong and selfish. Yeah. But we're here to talk about A New Hope, not right. bad film. Uh, very, very, very true. Very true. <laughs> so in talking about The New Hope, I kind of fished around on the Facebooks for... Um, uh, I asked other folks the same questions, you know, we asked each other when we got, when we started, you know, where were we the first time we saw it? What's the first impression that it left on you? And I got a lot of mixed... Like, a lot of people are my age and saw it in the theater for the first time. I think my favorite little comment was that, um, uh, from Christina Diddle, I was five years old in my grandmother's basement at two in the morning. The covers were sh metallic and shiny, and I just remember being so entranced that it stuck with me f ever since. That's wow. fantastic. That's I. It's I. I love. I'm really grateful that people kind of filled in and shared their first timers. Like here's another one. I saw Star Wars in the theater with my family. I think it was 1977. So I would have been about six or seven years old. Um, it just I. I was really pleased to see how many people, like my age, saw it. But then how many people caught it on VHS and just kind of grew up with it, knowing that it was important to watch. Yeah. Well, it brought a whole new generation of fans when it came back when they re-released the movie theaters in the '90s, and and re-released the toys. I mean, um, so it even brought more fandom. Oh yeah, created more fandom. Yeah. My wife's comment: first time she saw the film, I was with she was with me and fell asleep 20 minutes in. Aww. <laughs> uh, didn't buy her. I, you know, she does, and I. I'm making fun of her, but she does love. There's certain sci-fi she loves. Star Wars is not. She's a huge, huge Firefly fan. Loved the X Files, even into Battlestar Galactic a little bit, but not Star Wars. Mm -hmm. so. so somebody else here posted Roxy Burnside Lovejoy. She saw it um, when she was four at a drive-in. Like you, well, yeah. you weren't four, but you saw it at a drive-in, Miles. Yes. Yeah. It's fantastic. Let's see. I was sitting in the back seat. My sister was in the car seat, and I remember the shots of Tatooine and Star and Darth Vader. I was obsessed with Vader, and he was my own personal boogeyman as a child. My mother used used him as a threat all the time. If you don't go to bed, I'm going to tell Darth Vader. <laughs> Flash forward. Wow. We were sitting at our table talking about Star Wars and Empire. Which would have been uh, in heavy rotation on HBO. We've learned Roman numerals and figured out there were more novels to this series that hadn't been made. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. I I love I love these little stories that everybody gave. Yeah, there's some there's some good ones here. I had someone else that said they saw it four years old in a drive-in, Columbia Drive-in. They used to be right down the road from where we're at. So, yeah. Well, is there anything else that we have failed to mention tonight as we talked about Star Wars? The new so world? much. We could... 
We could go on for hours. This could be a, a 24 hour long podcast and we still wouldn't have scratched the surface. The one thing that I didn't look up that just dawned on me not how Star Wars influenced movies, but how many Star Wars Easter eggs are in movies. Like oh, yeah. in E.T., when E.T., when they're trick or treating, and there's and the one kid Yoda. dressed as Yoda. Yeah. yeah. And, and E.T. reacts like he knows them. Yes. Or better yet, that uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 are etched into the wall in, uh, I believe it's Temple of Doom. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. And then you have uh, Battlestar Galactica, R2-D2 floats by the window. That's right. Yeah, and then, then in the uh, then in the not in the darkness, but the J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek movie had R two D two throwing in the trash in the debris field of all the destroyed, um, all this destroyed. Uh, what do we call starships? It? Yeah, starships. There's oh, also that's right. They also have the Firefly in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, they also have. Uh, there is a frozen Han and Carbonite in majority of the episodes of Firefly. You can see it most notably in, I think it's Objects in Space, where Kaylee's listening to uh, the, the, the guy's, you know, I guess, uh, recording of his, his passing, and it's right above her knee. Oh. oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I've watched Firefly how many times? Never noticed it. Yeah, it's, you can, it's, it's noticeable in at least seven, but from what I understand, they hit it in every episode. <laughs> that's awesome. There, I, that's awesome. All these little teeny tiny nods that are perfect are just they're wonderful little like just the so the for close encounters of the of the third kind the big giant ship that comes down at the end spoilers there's the aliens that come to the planet if you haven't seen it in the last forty years <laughs> yeah um, Not really a spoiler. that prop is on display at the Udvar Hazy Air and Space Museum here in Dulles, Virginia. And if you walk around it, they've hidden all sorts of fun little things on it. Like there's a VW bus, there's a mailbox, there's an R2-D2. Nice. Nice. It's, I mean, I don't, like Mike said, we could spend 24 hours talking about this movie. And I'm pretty sure there are other podcasts that have lasted even longer than ours. Right. right. We'll try to keep this a little bit over an hour or so. Right. And we're going to do this with um, episodes five and six. And then, but uh, folks will be hearing this in December because we'll have them lead up until the release of episode seven. Yep. That gives me plenty of time to edit them. <laughs> so, what what nods? I, I think this is probably a really good way to, to go out. What nods do you expect to see in the new trilogy to the old trilogy? Ooh. Well, we, we already have the spoiler in the uh, one trailer. If they keep it, is the, the burned and melted mask of Darth Vader. It's certainly there. Excellent. I just wonder who's going to say, I have a bad feeling about this. The first, right? The first yes. one to say it. We, need, we definitely need the Wilhelm scream somewhere in there. Yeah, there needs to be a Wilhelm in, in each of them. I'm sure that yeah, that's absolutely. been sorted. That, that's, that's a requirement. What I, what I love is that they've already set up the three new characters to be pretty much Luke, Leia, and Han. Mm -hmm. And the best part is that Luke... In Leia have switched genders, so they have the cocky pilot, but 
Leia is actually the, the one. The one. Yeah. I don't know. I think I I need the first movie to give me a little to give me something new to expect and enjoy. But I I I'm I was so thrilled when it, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and Peter Mayhew and all of them all of them were coming back and that there is definitely a base of them. There's there's right. they it the importance of who those characters were to carry on the next generation of the story. So I, I when the trailer came out when the the one of the newer trailers came out that that at the very end you hear Han say Chewie we're home and there's Han and Chewie and the interior and I my skin just kind of sparkled white this cold white feeling of yeah. oh my god it's them I I may have actually said I may have actually started clapping like a little kid but that that I, I was I was six years old again when I saw that on the big giant screen and 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 to see that kind of epicness again on a big giant screen yeah, it's I, the story has to be good but I I, I want to I want a little piece of my childhood back damn it <laughs> darn well, it I, I have a feeling that we're this is this is as close as we're going to get that's fine yeah, as long as you respect yeah. the past if you respect what's been put in place and you're going to deliver something on top of that that will continue to do it fine i yeah. i just don't feel like the for the those those other movies truly respected this respected the story as it as it was i think right. they went back then there was just way too much commercialization way too much how much money can we make off of this how much merchandising can we make off of this and it's a, the story is important to me right and Boba Fett I'm glad they announced Disney announced Boba Fett oh here's a trivia question when is the first time you see Boba Fett in the Star Wars world it all depends uh, now, now, now let me say that again when is the first time that Empire. you see Boba Fett ever in our timeline, in our world, in the world of Star Wars as it is? It's Which, Empire. When was the first appearance? Empire. No, the, the Star Wars holiday special. Winner! Oh, that's, right. that's right. I forgot he was in there. It was in the, it was in the, it was in the Life Day special. It was, it was the Wait, hold on. I, I I'm confused on timelines. I thought the holiday special came out after Empire. No, it came out Empire. between New Hope and Empire. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. They they because I remember Han and Boba were kind of buddies in that. Yes. Yeah. So that's the next thing Disney needs to get their hands on. The holiday special. Yes, they can <laughs> fix that all they want. They can take B. Arthur out if they want. They can take Art Carney out if they want. They can do whatever they want to that special and make but it. They have to leave Grandpa, creepy Grandpa, with no teeth. Yeah, they do. That's true. Oh. Ah! <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that brings us up to the end of the show, right? Right. I think well, so. I, I think we're all. Oof. Well, we could keep talking certainly, but you know, Mike, we, we're so appreciative that you can that you joined us tonight to talk about Star Wars. Well, 
I will go anywhere to talk about Star Wars. I just yeah. appreciate you accept my enthusiasm and occasional nerd bomb uh, of obscenities because oh, I... I got, I got editing ahead of me, don't I? Hey, you know, um, before you go, is there anything that you want to plug that you're working on that you just want to talk about real quickly? Um, no. Right. Uh, you know what? Uh, pick up your copy of Ninjas vs. Monsters at ninjasverse.com. Uh, it's got Daniel Ross and Corey Okuchi, who are both in uh, Ninjas vs. or who are both in Zcon. Um, by the time this comes out, there's ah, oh, this is so far away from when this so actually like there's so much going to happen between. So this is a little bit of of a time jumpy, timey wimey thing going on because when you actually release this, crap will have gone down. So here's what I will recommend: go to facebook.com forward slash. Uh, Zcon movie, and you will see a big thing that happened uh, prior to this podcast being released. There you go. Oh, I like it. There you go. A little bit of that. Uh... And of course, if you're listening to the live stream, you'll you can go there now, but nothing. Yeah, have there, to wait. there's nothing now. You have to wait. Yeah. Suckers. Uh, yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much, it's, uh, guys and gal. Thank you so much Thank for you. Uh, being here tonight. It was awesome. Thanks for arranging it. I know, Evan, you did a ton of the arranging for us. Appreciate the way you put this together. So. My pleasure. Oh, Chewie's staring me. I mean, I'm scared. Oh, <laughs> I'm brother. So I'm so scared. Uh, would somebody move this giant walking carpet, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I believe that about does it. Let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the show here. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. Bum, bum, ba-dum, bum, bum. <laughs>